Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I am so grateful that you have joined me today. And before we get started with our second episode on our new book study series on Ephesians, I want to stop and say how in awe I am of God, His goodness, His power, His sovereignty, His provision. I could go on and on, but the reason why I'm saying this to you is because most of us have been a part of the Living Parables family for quite some time. And I want to share something that I recently discovered with you all that's extremely exciting. And I want to start off by saying, first off, I am very grateful for each and every single listener that takes time out of their day that they'll never get back to join me. And not only that, but I want to say thank you to all the listeners in the United States. But did you know? that God, in his sovereignty, in his provision, in his goodness, in his power, has allowed the Living Parables podcast to reach multiple countries. Yes, you heard me right. Multiple countries. Here's a list. Germany, Australia, Ireland, France, United Kingdom, Canada, South Africa, the Philippines, Mauritius, Mexico, Ethiopia, Singapore, New Zealand, Switzerland, and Italy. I mean, that literally blows my mind. And to that information, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Because the gospel is reaching all the ends of the earth. And I'll have to do a little bit of calculating and doing some geographical study on where all these nations are. But the fact that somebody, a nobody in Iowa is expositing the word of God for his glory and reaching people outside of this country is just a testament to how amazing he is. And I have to keep myself in check and humble because that is a very exciting thing, but that doesn't change the fact to how we do things here. All we are focusing on in this show is teaching the Word of God about the Son of God for the glory of God. That's the focal point. It's all about Christ. It's all about exposing people to Him and His goodness and His gospel for His glory. And so I just have to stop and say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. 
and what an honor and privilege it is to serve him. It really is. And here's the thing. If you listen to this show, if you participate in this show, which if you are listening to this on Spotify, we will have Q's and A's, and we will also have polls that you can interact with the show with. And if you're praying for the show, you are taking part of that. You are part of that blessing. And so I want to say thank you once again to everyone. Because as we get started with the second part of chapter one in Ephesians, we are we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And we can't let ourselves get too big in the mind. Let the ego start taking over. Letting pride set in. We have to remain humble and know whom all blessings flow from, and that is from God and God alone. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started today. As you know, we are wrapping up Ephesians chapter 1. And just to give you a little bit of a background as to what we talked about last week, is we went through Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 14. And in that, we went through some very heavy, heavy spiritual truth. We know in verse 3 that God and our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So if you are a believer in Christ right now, you have the honor and privilege of being chosen before the world began. And that is such a privilege and such a high honor. And why that's so important is because we tend to focus on our careers and try to make our mark in the world. And we try to some sometimes get our 15 minutes of fame or whatever it is you want to call it. And yet the biggest privilege of them all, the most honorable of everything that you can even think of, more honor than being invited to the White House by the president to have dinner personally is being a follower of Jesus Christ. That is a higher honor and privilege. And it's not just that we are predestined, but we are predestined to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ that is such an amazing thing. And this is because of the kindness of God, of his grace, in which he freely bestows that upon us. He lavishes us with grace. It means it abounds and abounds and abounds. It's like a cup under a waterfall. Just keeps overflowing and overflowing and overflowing. And in verse 7, we talked about redemption. Redemption is the release affected by payment of ransom to free a slave. And as we already know, sin 
if we commit sin and we're outside of Christ, we are a slave to sin. And our destination without Christ is everlasting hellfire in hell. Yet through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our trespasses is now ours by grace through faith. And the mystery of God's will was that Jesus Christ was our Redeemer. When he redeemed us on the cross, that was the mystery. And it doesn't stop there because if you remember our book study in Colossians, the mystery of God, yes, it is Christ himself, absolutely. But it goes deeper than that. It's Christ living within us. That is the divine miracle. That is the mystery. And now there is no more mystery. There is no more mystery now. And then not only that, in verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance with the saints. And not only just an inheritance with the saints, but we are inheriting the kingdom of God in which we are co-heirs with Christ and we will reign with him. And I'm here to tell you, there is no one higher, no one greater than Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if you are his, then you, my friend, not today on this earth, but someday will be a co-heir with Christ. And not only that, we will reign with him in heaven. Above all these people, who don't put their faith in Christ Jesus alone, whose destination is, in fact, hell. And that is why it is so important to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to share the gospel with as many people as you can, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you feel or somebody else feels. And maybe you're going to share the gospel with somebody and you're apprehensive because, ooh, if I share the gospel, that means if they respond in a negative way, we may not be friends anymore. We, we may not even be considered as family anymore. But the truth is, is that if you really love and care for other people, you will share with them the absolute truth, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord, no matter what happens. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to share with you or exhort you in anything that I'm not going to do myself. For example... I've talked to people about the gospel before in my own family, and now I'm alienated, blocked on social media with friends, co-workers. I'll share the gospel, and I try not to share it in such a way that it makes me feel like I'm above them in any form or fashion. I don't share the gospel in such a way that I'm condemning them. But that doesn't mean I'm going to pull any punches either. Because if I tell them half the truth, it's not the truth at all. If I tell them that Jesus Christ loves you, he has a plan for you, he loves you no matter what you do, that is a lie. And I'm not going to do that. But I will share the gospel in such a way that is done 
with love, with grace seasoned with salt. And so, again, I'm not going to tell you or exhort you in any way to do anything that I'm not going to do myself. And again, I'm here to tell you that that stuff has happened to me before. But I pray that God will eventually, by his goodness and grace, grant them an opportunity to accept him before it's too late. And that's the wonderful thing about God also, that he gives us all a choice to accept or reject him. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to go back to verse 15 now. That's where we're going to start. And the last part of this study is going to be verse 23. So we're going to go 15 through 23 here. Let's go ahead and get started. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump back to verse 15, and let's go ahead and start breaking this down. So... For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you. Can that be said about us? Can somebody that who is not a close personal relative, a close personal friend, can they look at you and say that you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Does that faith exist among us? That is a question. And not just this, but it says, and your love for all the saints. Is that said of us as well? Because if we don't have the love of Christ within us, and we are not demonstrating that towards other people, then we lie to ourselves. Our love that has been lavished on us by God ought to overflow from us all and to all, especially to the fellow saints. There's so many instances, so many situations that arise from our flesh. We argue about what color carpet we should have, what color roof we should have, how what the colors of the wall should be, what program we should do, 
how long this should be, how this service should go, blah, 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 blah. What kind of music we should play. I want the new stuff. I want the old stuff. And we get so worked up over those things and we get so upset because we get what caught up in our emotions that we end up backbiting people. We bring people down. We start forming factions and groups. And the next thing you know, you have a church split. And then whose name is dishonored in that? God's. And that is one thing, my friends, that God does not stand for. And that is blasphemy against his name, his son's name, or the Holy Spirit's name. Trust me on that. But we but we give in to our emotions. We give in to those desires that have nothing to do with God at all. It's about ourselves. What I think we should do. I, 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 me, me, me. Those are all dangerous, dangerous words. It's not about us. And you may at first argue with that. Well, but I, this is what I think we should do, though. Well, here's the problem with that. In Philippians, the second chapter, and you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say this again, and I'm going to say this until the day that I die. This is on my door at school. This is on my wall at school. This is something I live by. And honestly, this is how we should live as believers in Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So when you're arguing at church with fellow believers about different church activities, the cosmetics of the church, and it causes a division and it causes friction and it causes problems, you are going against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you might even ask yourself, well, wait a minute, so how... Am I doing that? How am I going against Jesus Christ, Nate? Because that's a really bold thing for you to say. And you know what? That makes me a little upset. Well, I have scripture to back me up for this. Just read John 17. Read John 17. Well, what does John 17 have to do with anything? John 17 has to do with it all. Because Christ in here... In this 17th chapter of John, Jesus Christ is interceding for us as a high priest to God the Father himself. And here's the problem. Listen to this. In verse 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So 
Why is that important? Because Jesus Christ wants us to be in union with each other. Like-minded, Christ-centered, Christ-focused. So all those things that we just talked about in the church, and here's the thing, I don't say those just randomly or blindly and without a thought. I say that because I've experienced it firsthand myself. When man puts their desires ahead of Christ's, the fall will come shortly after. And you know, church is not a perfect place. And a lot of outsiders will say that, well, I'm not going to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I've heard it said, and I love it. Well, we have room for one more, so come join us. And that is so true. We are all hypocrites at one point or another, and some of us in the church are still hypocrites. We are still fallen by nature. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. We have the Holy Spirit working within us, sanctifying us into the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But that doesn't mean that we are not going to slip up and fall. But that truly means that we understand that our flesh is raging in war against the Spirit. And we desperately every day need a Savior, every single day, to save us from ourselves. And so when you're in a situation in church, when people are starting to get all ruffled up, starting to get upset. Their emotions are starting to take over. You, you do not. You do not respond with the emotions. So how are we to respond in those situations? We are to respond with Scripture. What does God say? And whatever he says goes. No questions, no if, ands, buts, nor or ors. What he says goes. It's his way or the highway. So with that being said, let's go to verse 16 now. Do not cease. Never stop giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And that's how we need to be. We need to be never ceasing and giving thanks. We should be saying thank you more than we ought to be talking about ourselves, what our needs, our wants, our desires are, to be grateful. Giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Are you mentioning fellow believers in your prayers? When people ask you to pray for them, let me just tell you this right now. That is such an honor and a privilege. They are wanting you to make intercession for them to God Almighty. And what happens? We, we start by saying, 
oh, absolutely, I'll pray for you, and well, I'll get right on that. And then things happen. Then the next thing you know, the next day comes around like, oh my goodness, I forgot to pray for them. And here's the reality. When people ask you to pray for them, do it right away. Do it right away because I am guilty of that myself at times. I'm I'm getting better, but again, I have I have done that before. So when you, people are asking you to pray for them, pray for them. And here's what you also need can do. Get a little journal out, get a little piece, get get a notepad, whatever it is that you need, maybe even do it on your phone. Make a note about it. Write it down. You could also get a prayer journal because I mentioned a journal. Get a prayer journal and write ongoing prayers and then new prayers and add on to that. And that will keep you from forgetting those people. Because praying for other people, especially believers in Christ, that is so crucial. We need each other now more than ever. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. So what does wisdom mean? Well, I looked up the word in the Greek, and here's what it means. It means the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. So we oftentimes do not have wisdom because we don't ask for it. And instead of asking God for Mr. and Mrs. Wright, for giving us a new job and a new pay raise and all these things that are physical, we need to be praying for spiritual things, for spiritual wisdom. And it doesn't just stop there because the last part of 17 says, and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, how do we get more knowledge of Jesus Christ, God himself? Well, we get to know him by his word. And here's the thing. The mystery and full divine revelation is given to us in Holy Scripture, the Bible. It's all there. Yet, what do we spend most of our time doing? Well, if we're being honest with ourselves, we spend most of our time gratifying the desires of our flesh. And we'll sit for two and a half, three hours on Saturday and Sundays watching football games, knowing the players. Knowing the team, the personnel, the coaches, their backstories, where they lived, how many touchdowns they had last season, how many touchdowns they have this season, how many rushing yards, how many receiving yards, how many passing yards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, we, we get to know all these things, right? And yet what we don't spend time is in the word, getting to know Jesus Christ. So, and here's the thing, I'm not saying this to you. I'm saying this to me because I'm guilty of that as well. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves. If we spend more time in the Bible than we do our hobbies, we'd actually be somebody. We'd be walking closer with Christ. 
we would be changing this world. Yet, we spend most of our time in front of the tube, in front of the television, checking our phones. And we make the mistake of turning our back on time. And time is a gift from God. And that gift is so precious that it's something that we can never get back. And you've heard me say that before. And that's a perfect segue into verse 18 because it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We need to close our eyes to the world and let the Spirit enlighten our eyes to God. Now, this doesn't mean that we forget anyone in the whole entire world. That's not what that means at all. I'm talking about the sinful desires of the flesh. And in verse 18, once again, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And that enlightened here is God sharing his life with us, overcoming darkness with the light, focusing on the spiritual things. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling. The hope is Christ and salvation through him and him alone. The last part of 18, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? God is so rich in glorious truth of salvation through his son. And the inheritance is once again something that I wrestle with, not that I don't understand it, is that I can't grasp that God would love me so much, a wretched sinner who is deserving of wrath, to be shown mercy. And not just that, but allowed into heaven through his son And it doesn't stop there, that we are called sons and daughters of God. That is so amazing and so baffling to me that it's just, it's like the, it's like the saying goes too good to be true. It actually is. It it is true. And some advice I've gotten over the years is if it's too good to be true, well, it probably is. Well, this news is actually true. It is actually true. And it's something that you can put your hope and trust and faith in because a little quick side story here. I was working in a, let's just put it this way. I was working a job that wasn't in the greatest conditions. And I was around a lot of foul-mouthed people. And I was in a profession that people didn't care if you lived or died, just as long as you were doing the work that they wanted you to do. And so I found a job, a new job, and I put my two weeks notice in, 
and it had everything way better pay freedom and all these things like that and it turned out too good to be true because that was one of the jobs i absolutely hated the most i i absolutely hated that job with a passion and one of the things they wanted me to do is they wanted me to go up to random companies and try to sell stuff. And that is not what I do <laughs> at all. That is the complete opposite of me. And so eventually God worked his plan out and I moved on from that position and to the, actually the position I have now and in a teaching in a school, I mean, it's uh it is a blessing for sure. That's that's another story. But let's get back to verse 19 here. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, what we have as fellow believers in Jesus Christ that the world doesn't have on their own is God's surpassing greatness in his power. To us, he gives us that. And not does it, he just doesn't just give us that, but he gives it toward us. So he works in us to sanctify us, make us holy. And these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. See, we can't do that on our own. And I'll tell you this too I've heard many stories of fellow believers that God has been just working these, I don't know. It's, it really is mind blowing when God works and you see it happening with your own eyes and you just know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God and that he is great and he is powerful and whatever he wills, nothing and no one can stop it. And when you are a part of that and you are seeing these blessings just unfold around you, it is just, I mean, it just drops your jaw to the floor. You're just like, wow. And that's when you need to be going back to verse 16. Do not cease giving thanks. Just keep thanking God. Keep thanking him. Thank you, God, that I'm allowed to be a part of this. Thank you for working in this situation. Wow. And the closer you are with God, the more these things will be. And that's not why we are in Christ. For experiences, for blessings, for healings, for, for miracles. That's not why we're in it. We're, we're in it for Christ in Christ alone. Remember, back in our Colossians study, Christ, who is our life? He's our life. He is ever he is our everything. He is our all in all. So the blessings and God working for us and for people around us that we are involved with that is just a byproduct of the goodness of God. But that's not why we believe. Do you see the difference? Verse 20, which he brought about in 
Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He is mighty to save sinners, to bring life to our dead souls through Christ. None of this would matter if Christ hadn't died and been raised from the dead. And Christ did not stay in that tomb. No, he did not. He rose triumphantly from the grave. And the end of verse 20, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That's where he's at. But he's not just there. He's living within us. Verse 21, far above, this is talking about Christ here. How majestic is he? How powerful is he? He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, are you hearing that? Christ's name, power, glory, majesty is above every name, power, authority of anyone or anything any establishment on earth from before time began and at this moment and until this world comes to a screeching halt. And verse 22, and he, talking about God here, put all things, not just a few things, not some people. He put all things. And we're not just talking about people. We're talking about everything that's in the world. The universe. All these things that are baffling scientists right now. All things in subjection under his feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church. So, whose church is it? Is it the personality of the pastor? Is it the deacons, elders, women's groups? Is it people? Well, right here, it's very, very clear. It's Christ's church. And that's where sometimes we fall hard. Is when you start hearing people say, oh, this is so-and-so's church. Yeah, that pastor over there, that, that's his church. Yep, that's his. Oh, yeah, right up over the hill over there. Yep, that's his. No, 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 no. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you know that church has nothing to do with any person's name other than Jesus Christ himself, period. That is it. There is no question. There's no gray areas. It's black and white, clear as crystal. It's Christ in Christ alone. Yet, what are churches doing nowadays? Do you notice that their names are deviating away from having Christ in it? Hmm. Interesting. 
are we ashamed of Christ? Are we ashamed to bear that name because we don't want to impugn on the feelings and emotions of other people? We don't want to hinder their tolerances. We want people to love us. We want to be liked. We want to be well-respected. We want people to come back, be friendly, shake a hand, hug a neck, high, give them a high five, whatever it is. Yet we're too afraid to put Christ's name on the sign as the name of our church because that's <laughs> that's who it belongs to. And the church, my friends, is not a building. It's those who Christ live within. That is the church. The word church doesn't mean a building. It means an assembly. Assembly of what? It's an assembly of those people who are called Christians because Christ dwells within them. The Holy Spirit dwells within them. God the Father lives within them. That is the church. Not a big, beautiful building with stained glass windows, nice carpets, comfy pews, temperature set at 72 degrees. Well, I don't like 72 degrees. I like 70. I don't like 70 degrees. I like 74. There we go again, right? The temperature in here is ridiculous. Come on. I am not going to go back to that church anymore because they have it too hot in there. It is too cold. The sound was too high. The sound was too low. No one said hi to me. Maybe you should go say hi to people. How about that? I'm not going back to that church because they sat in my spot. True story. I had I had a family come up to me once. And now this is not a family. I'm really, I want to be careful here. But it was an older couple and their family. And we were visiting a church once. And these people came up and said, hey, you're in our spot. What? I'm sorry? I thought they were talking to somebody else. Yeah, that's our spot. We sit there every week. You need to move. No, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Welcome to church. We're glad you're here. You're in our spot. Get out. I've had other churches where my kids were being maybe a little bit loud. I mean, my family's a little bit loud. I hate I hate to admit that out loud, but it's true. We are a little bit louder. I mean, they're not, we're not terrible, but we are we are loud. There's six total of us, so you know what do you expect? We were visiting a church one time, and this person turned around, had the audacity to say to me, "Sir, can you keep your kids down? I'm trying to concentrate on the message." Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm not trying to. So honestly. That bothered me, and there's other things that bothered me about that situation. Um, it seemed a little too charismatic for me, so I got up and walked out. Yep, that's a real story. So, 
God was not in that church. And you have to be so careful. So, so careful. And as I digress and come back to the main point here, Christ is the head over all things to the church. And verse 23, wrapping this up, which is his body, again, talking about church, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ is the authority of the church. Everything in church is for him and goes through him. Christ is the only one who can truly satisfy our hearts and souls. We are all dried up and empty on the inside, and he fills us up with living water that will never run dry. He needs to be the driving force of church. He has to be the center. He has to be the focus. He has to be everyone's all in all. And as we start to move progressively through Ephesians, and as you probably can guess, Ephesians 2 is starting next week, God willing. I would challenge you to go ahead and read Ephesians 2 so you're up to speed with me. And you don't have to read the whole thing, but maybe just read it about halfway one day and then halfway the, the next day until, God willing, we meet again. So once again, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you to all you brothers and sisters who faithfully follow us. And you're not following us. Maybe that wasn't the right word. You're walking with us. Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. I'm only his under-shepherd. All I am trying to do is glorify the one who saved my life and to teach and preach to as many people as possible until my number is called. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. God bless you, my friends.